Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens and I serve as the pastor here at Cokesbury and I'm delighted that you have decided to join us for worship today, whether you're with us on Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, or you're listening later through whatever means you're using. Uh, it is a privilege to be a pastor, particularly at a time like this, trying to bring words of the good news to those who are living in a world that seems to be filled with nothing but bad news. We're in the midst of a sermon series here at the church on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, that is Philippians. Today we're looking at Philippians 1, uh, chapter 1, uh, that is uh, verses 12 through 20. Uh, we're also encouraging people to be reading Philippians throughout these weeks of our study so that we're just more immersed with the word. So I hope you've been able to read Philippians. If not, I created a video earlier last week that I recorded myself reading the whole of Philippians aloud. You can find it on Facebook or YouTube. It only took me, I think, 14 minutes, so you can listen to that and you'll hear the entire letter uh, in one sitting. We're going to continue to offer worship online only for the foreseeable future until we discern that it's uh, both safe, healthy, and faithful for us to continue to worship together, uh, to worship together in person. But until then, this is how we will be offering worship. Uh, though I, I do have to add uh, that in response to popular demand, we're going to have another drive-in service of Word and Sacrament. It's going to be happening on September 27th. That is the last Sunday of September in our parking lot at 4 o'clock on that Sunday afternoon. We'll still have our 11 o'clock worship service uh, online, but at 4 o'clock on the 27th of September, we'll be gathering in our parking lot for service of Word and Sacrament. There'll be prayers, a hymn, uh, some scripture, a, a brief homily, and then we'll be sharing communion together. So put it on your calendars if you live locally enough that you can join us on September 27th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in our parking lot for a service of word and sacrament. So with that, I encourage you to, to bow your heads for a moment and to continue to go to God in, in prayer as we prepare our hearts and minds to worship. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, you know exactly who we are. We're people with good and bad consciences. We're satisfied and dissatisfied. We're sure and we're unsure. But now, no matter who we are, we are all before you, equal in this, that we've all wronged you and each other, that we all could do more, that there are things we've avoided doing that we should do, there are things we shouldn't have done that we did do. But we know, O oh Lord, that we would be lost without your grace, and that you have promised your grace to us through your Son. So open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. And now, Lord, each of us will lift up to you our own joys and concerns this day, whether silently or aloud. Now let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I said earlier, we're in the middle of a sermon series on Philippians. So our scripture today is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. As always, there is an online bulletin. If that's helpful for you, you can pull that up. It will have our scriptures and prayers all listed there together. Uh, But this is Philippians 1, verses 12 through 20. Now hear the word of the Lord. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, while others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that my, by my speaking with boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 156 in the United Methodist Hymnal, I Love to Tell the Story. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. So join me over on the drums as we sing and play. I love to tell the story together. Time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. 
Now, what does it all matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or or true, and in that, I rejoice. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hey, look, I'll be the first to admit that the conditions, they're not, they're not great. You know, at first I thought maybe they were sending me to one of those white-collar crime prisons. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? They're the prisons where they, they send the rich who stole from other rich people. Uh, you know, it's those prisons where you get to go outside and play tennis on the weekends, and maybe you have television in your cell, and you get to see your family once a month. But yeah, that's, that's definitely not the type of prison I'm in. You know, I thought they'd send me to a nicer joint because I didn't really do much to get sent here in the first place. Now, it's true, I was warned in plenty of the towns to keep my chatter below the radar. To some degree, I understood the concern, but it's not like I was setting up insurrections or inciting violence or destroying destroying public property. I was merely storytelling. It's just that a lot of people didn't like the story I had to tell. At the right time, God came in flesh to dwell among us in Jesus Christ, living, breathing, eating, sleeping, teaching, healing, all that good stuff. And we, we hated it. We hated the good news because it ran counter to just about everything we'd been spoon-fed from birth. We, we thought we knew exactly what we needed to do. And then Jesus shows up and tells us that he is going to do everything for us in spite of us. Now, some of us responded to that good news by leaving it all behind and following him, but others, such as myself, we became all the more zealous to stamp this guy out as quickly as possible. But we learned rather quickly that Jesus, he don't quit. He moved from town to town, giving people glimpses of a world they couldn't even believe. And finally, when people like me had grown tired of all this goodness, we decided to do something about it. Because, you know, the whole, the first will be last and the last will be first, that doesn't sound very good if you consider yourself first. It started to get under our skin and we decided we couldn't let him remain because he threatened to disrupt all that we had grown accustomed to. So we hung him up in a tree for all the world to see and we killed him. But of course, this was to happen according to God's strange workings in the world because even though we killed God, even though we left him up there in the tree and buried him in the tomb, God came back three days later an empty tomb signifying to the whole of the cosmos that everything had changed. And now, now we're no longer living in a world of our own design. Instead, we're living in the light of God's grace and mercy. God who destroyed death and canceled the power of sin. God, believe it or not, set us free. Anyway, they caught me for telling that story and they locked me up for being, as they called it, a threat to society. And as I previously mentioned, though I was hoping for some nicer digs, I'm currently being held in this horrifyingly dismal cell. And to make matters worse, they decided to chain me up to a new guard in my cell every day so I don't get any wild ideas. Maybe they heard about what happened to me that other time I got locked up and an earthquake came and allowed me to escape. Nevertheless, here I am. But here's the best news of all. What has happened to me has actually allowed the gospel to flourish. Now, I, I want to be clear with you. The fact that God brings good out of evil doesn't make evil good. The Lord makes and works in mysterious ways, making evil to serve God's purposes in spite of itself. 
in ways both small and large, in ways known and unknown, God has power over sin and evil and death. God is able to achieve whatever God wants in terms of grace and peace. You think about it like this. It's like the great reversal from Good Friday to Easter. That's at the root of the whole good news story. Jesus, as I said, hanging on a cross for the world to see, belittled, betrayed, beaten. There's nothing good about crucifixion, and yet God chose crucifixion, the cross, the sign of death, to defeat death forever and ever. Because that cross, it now stands empty to the sky, reminding those of us who follow the Lord that the tomb, it couldn't contain him, that he is still contending against the powers and the principalities of this life, and that in the end, love wins. This, this is the way the, world, the, the, the Lord works, contrary to how we might do it if we were in charge of the whole operation. Because the Lord dabbles in unexpected deliverances, in surprising turns of events, in providential happenstances. All of them are echoes of the great reversal that began that first Easter morning. They're a foretaste of the world yet to come. They are the bread and wine at the table, the undeserved invitation, the unmerited forgiveness. They don't always fit and fall when we want them to, but when When God's up to something, the best thing we can do is get out of God's way and just say, thank you, Lord. I mean, consider my own current situation, locked up for a minor offense, derided by some in the local community, and still, I proclaim God's grace and peace. Now, some believe that maybe my mission has stopped or that no good can come from all of this, but to those who believe something like that, they have forgotten that the Lord works in impossible possibilities. God makes a way where there is no way. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the good news, so much so that the gospel has become known throughout all of the prison guards. And not only that, but my evangelism, that is the sharing of the good news in a place such as this, has given others the boldness and the confidence to speak the word wherever they may be. Despite my chains, despite my present circumstances, the gospel is spreading and I remain free as a slave to the Lord. My shackles, they've become yet another occasion for me to tell anyone with ears to hear about the differences between what the world does to us and what God has done for us. Now, I might be trapped in this place, but there is a joy in my heart, a joy that only comes from knowing that I belong to Jesus. Now, as to how the gospel has become known, well, again, it's, it's partly a mystery. I didn't, contrary to what I've heard others do, frighten them with fire and brimstone. I didn't tell them to shape up or ship out. I didn't tell them that God will torture them forever and ever unless they confess Jesus as Lord. Now, there will always be those who proclaim Christ from different and perhaps even wrong places. Some do so out of envy and rivalry. Still yet, others do so with the best intentions. There will come so-called evangelists who are only in it for themselves or their wallets or their purses. And finally, there will come some in the name of the Lord who want to make other believers suffer for their beliefs. And in the end, what does all that matter? So long as Jesus is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, it makes little difference in the kingdom. In fact, if Jesus is proclaimed... I will rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice because that's the only thing that matters. Now, for what it's worth, 
I happen to believe that the good news should sound like good news. And so the other day when a guard was complaining next to me about his own circumstances, he didn't really read the room. Remember, I'm the one in prison. You know, he was complaining about not having enough food for his family, fears about not measuring up to his family's hopes and dreams, worry that he'll be punished by the gods for his infidelity. That was the occasion for me to tell him the truth. No matter the condition of his condition, one has already come to take away the sins of the world, to take away the burdens from his life. So I told him, now, if your family's hungry, you might consider joining a, a local ecclesia, that is, a gathering of those who follow Jesus, because they'll give you food for nothing. Or, if, you know, if you're worried about your worth, you know, the Lord sees you as you already are, the good and the bad together, and God already decided that you were worth the cost of the cross. Or, if, you were own, if you're being tormented for lapses in morality, it's, if those things are keeping you awake at night, you need to only consider the fact that Jesus, you know, God in the flesh, already took and nailed every one of your sins to the cross and has left them there forever. God, in Christ, threw away the ledger book of all your wrongs and all of your rights. But I know that people in my line of work have other ideas about how to proclaim Jesus, and frankly, some of them, they don't like the way I do it at all. If I may be so candid, there are tensions that exist within our community of faith. Whether it's in the city you live in or in any of the others, I mean, perhaps you already know how hard it is for a group of people called disciples to get along. You know, if someone ever sets out one day to put a collection together of the scriptures, I wonder if they'll ever put my letters in. That'd be pretty cool. But if they do that, you'll see how quickly people disagree about what it all really means. And I don't want to make it seem like it's perfect all the time. You know, and if we don't find a way to work together, some people in the future might get the bright idea to break up the, the church into denominations, whatever that might look like. And even if that does happen, if the ecclesia splinters, if arguments arise over the word, all of that, it will still pale in comparison to what God has already done for you, for me, and for the whole world in the person of Jesus. Nobody not the devil, not the world, not the flesh, not even ourselves can take us away from the love that refuses to let us go. We can, of course, do everything in our power to squirm and complain and set up stumbling blocks for ourselves and others. We can make one hell of a mess in the process, but God is the one who both makes us and reconciles us. That means there is no way, literally, on earth or in hell, that we will ever be outside of God's graceful work in reconstituting the cosmos. Or to put it another way, if Jesus is truly proclaimed, what difference do our differences make? Now, there's enough hardship and suffering and persecution in this world to argue over petty disagreements. You know, the Lord came to save the world, not beat it down into submission for perfect obedience. The, the Lord died and rose again that we might have life, life abundant and not anxiety about who is the best teacher, who is the best apostle. I mean, the Lord turned the world upside down. The only thing we have to do is live in it. So friends, I rejoice even behind these bars and I will continue to rejoice. If I'm delivered from bondage, wonderful. If not, I've already been freed from the greatest bondage of all sin and death. So I thank you, brothers and sisters, for all of your prayers, and it is my eager hope and expectation that even through this, 
Christ will be exalted now as always, whether I live or die. Sincerely, Paul. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that we have no business coming before you. We have no business asking you for anything because you've already gone and done for us more than we could ever ask for or imagine, and yet you continually beckon us into your presence again and again that your grace might wash over us, setting us free from the expectations of the world and the expectations we place on ourselves. Make us free, therefore, like Paul, to joyfully celebrate the good news in all times and in all places. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us together in these strange ways, in these strange times. God has proclaimed God's word, and we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, our time, our effort, our talents, but also with our gifts. I encourage you to give to the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You can give online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You can send a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can bring your offering. We have a drop slot by the main office doors. But we encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts that the ministries of Cokesbury Church will flourish, continue to be a, a, a haven of blessings and peace and good news, truly good news for those who live in our community and across the world. Another way we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith. So would you please join me in affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed? You can find the words for it in the online bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Throughout this time of not having in-person worship, I've been thinking about other imaginative ways that we can respond to what God has said. And so this week, similar to last week, in fact, remarkably similar to last week, I'm encouraging us to think about having scripturally shaped imaginations again. Because the more time we spend in scripture, the more it actually shapes the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we behave. Therefore, again, we're encouraging everyone this week to read through the entirety of Paul's letter to the Philippians. If you don't have a Bible or if you don't have the Constitution to sit down and read through the whole thing at once, I've recorded another video of myself doing it again for a second time, only about 14 or 15 minutes, and you can listen to it. It won't take you very long. The hope is that the theme of Philippians, and therefore the gospel as the whole, will begin to seep into our imaginations and reshape the way we understand ourselves and the world around us. So with that, I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to proclaim Christ always in all places, now and forever. For he is God of both the living and the dead, and he has come to bring us good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 
Look forward to seeing you again, same time, same place next week. Go in peace and be well. Amen, amen, amen. Walk.